Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction In the fields of bodies burning As the war machine keeps turning Death and hatred to mankind Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. Listen to analysis of local, national and international events. Listen to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Here we are, the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast by the Community Radio Network. This program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. The, the program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. If you're listening to this program for the first time and you like what you hear and your local community radio station doesn't broadcast the Anarchist World This Week, have a chat to the station manager Get them to broadcast the Anarchist World this week because we are in difficult times. If you wonder what anarchy is all about, no, 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 it's not what you think it is. An anarchist society is a voluntary, non-hierarchical society based on the creation of political and social structures which are based on direct de- democratic principles. The people involved in the decision make that decision and elect or appoint delegates to coordinate those decisions at a local, regional or national level. It's a society where wealth is held in common. And why those two important uh, principles to an anarchist society, very simple. The word anarchos, which the word anarchy is derived from, means without rulers, not without rules. So what gives a ruler power? Well, inequalities in the decision-making processes and inequalities in wealth. They lie at the very heart of most of the social, political, economic and cultural issues that we deal with on a day-to-day basis. Now, today is a particularly heavy program, so if you're looking for light entertainment, I suggest you move on. I'm sure there'll be something on YouTube which will tickle your fancy, a cat video, a dog video, some pornography, something will tickle your fancy, but if you are interested in ideas, you're interested in learning what's happening in the world around you, well, I uh, encourage you to continue to listen to the Anarchist World this week. Obviously, it's a voluntary, uh, uh, what's it, a voluntary perversion listening to the Anarchist World this week. Nobody forces you to, so uh, keep listening. Now, a little bit of housekeeping before we move on. Now, if you are in the city of Melbourne, and I'm afraid that it is a little bit Melbourne-centric, the housekeeping because we are based in the city of Melbourne. Now, if you've got activities in your part of Australia which you want advertised on the Anarchist World this week, just send us an email to anarchistmedia.org, anarchistmedia.org, and I can guarantee you we will give it a little bit of uh, airtime. Now, a few things to remember. 
the anarchist, the Melbourne Anarchist Book Fair is on Sunday the 14th of August. That's Sunday the 14th of August from uh, 9am to 5pm at Brunswick Town Hall at Sydney Road, Brunswick. Lots of things happening on the day. Go along, learn a few things, meet a lot of the people involved in these type of activities, enjoy yourself. On the same day, on the 14th of August, the West Papuan Office Open Day for members of the Rent Collective, supporters and interested people is on from 1pm to 3pm, that's on Sunday the 14th of August, at 838 Collins Street, Docklands. Just come round to the back, big meeting room, uh, free lunch, turn up, have a listen, look at what the West Papuan Independence Movement uh, is all about what they're doing, what their plans are for the rest of 2016 and early 2017. If you want to become a member of the West Papuan Rent Collective, and the Rent Collective has now been paying the rent for the office for the West Papuan Independence Movement for at least two and a half, going on to three years, give us a ring on 0439 395 489, 0439 395 489. Write to us at Post Office Box 20 Parkville. 3052 or emails at at com. For a dollar a day, you can give the Australian government and the in- Indonesian government heartburn by uh, supporting the West Papuan Independence Movement. So give us a call, get, become part of the Rent Collective. What you get is a warm inner glow. That's about it. But if you're interested, you want to try before you buy, as they say, dollar a day. Come along to the West Papuan Office uh, Open Day, 1pm to 3pm on Sunday the 14th of August. And just in case you find yourself in the fair city of Melbourne, on Friday the 5th of August, Public Interest Before Corporate Interest is holding a little gathering in Federation Square at 11.30 and then moving across to the Herald and Weekly Times building at 40 City Road, Melbourne at 12 o'clock. So we gather at Federation Square the corner of Flinders and Swanson Street at 11.30, between 11.30 and 12, and at 12 o'clock we move across to the uh, Herald and Weekly Times building, Murdoch's Little Baby in Australia, and uh, let let them know what we think about their uh, the fact that they don't pay taxation and that Mr Murdoch received $838 million tax refund at the end of 2013. So join the Public Interest Before Corporate Interest Group, Federation Square, 11.30, 12 o'clock, march across to the Herald and Weekly Times building, not far, about 10-minute walk, 40 City Road. Join us there till 1pm. And if you can't make it uh, this, uh, on the first Friday in August, we'll be holding gatherings on the, on the uh, first Friday in September, the 2nd of September, first Friday in October, 7th of October, and the first Friday in November, the 4th of November, all this stuff is up on their PIBCI website. That's Public Interest Before Corporate Interest, P-I-B-C-I dot net, P-I-B-C-I dot net. All right, let's look at the federal election. Is it all over yet? No, it's not over yet. We haven't got there yet, kiddies, because the federal election is, is interesting because it highlights to me in what direction this country movement is moving and the parallels in Australia and Western Europe and most of the rest of the world and the, and the parallels with the 1920s. Because the parallels are quite frightening. Now, what's happened during the federal election? Well, 
The first thing, as you know, I ran as an independent, a radical independent in the electorate of Dunkley, which is a Liberal-held electorate, which continues to be a Liberal-held electorate, on the uh, public interest before corporate interest platform, make the 1% pay 1%, and after a uh, you know reasonably low-level campaign, minimal budget, we snared 1.3% of the vote and came 7th out of uh, 11 groups. I was the only independent out of the 11, and uh, we uh, kind of... Uh, got more votes than the uh, Liberal Democrats and the uh, Australian, Australian Christians and the Arts Party and somebody else who I've forgotten. So the campaign was interesting. It was interesting to actually run a campaign in a traditional Liberal seat on that question and to see over 1,100 people voting, making that their first choice in that campaign. So there is some interest out there in the electorate. So let's look at the federal election result. As far as the House of Representatives results is concerned, it seems that those results are now set in concrete. The Liberal National Party has 76 seats in a parliament of 150 representatives and uh, that gives it a majority, working majority of one once they elect a speaker. Uh, the Labor Party is 69 and there are five minor parties independents. There's uh, Andrew Wilkie from Hobart. Uh, there's uh, Kathy McGowan from the electorate of Shepparton. Uh, I've forgotten the name of the person of the Xenophon Party in South Australia. There's the uh, Mad Hatters Party uh, from uh, North Queensland. And who else have we got? Oh, yes, and Adam Bant from the Greens. So the House of Representatives is basically set, and the way it is set, there's no reason to believe there will be another election until three years' time. The Senate is interesting because it highlights the direction that the Australian people are going and how they're thinking, and it really highlights the death of the left, the traditional left and the new left, in Australia in 2016 because the Greens campaign was a disaster. Irrespective of what Dr Di Natale tells you, they're cozying up to the Liberal National Party and changing the voting rules which allow Turnbull to call a double disillusion election have been a disaster for the Greens not only in the Senate but in the House of Representatives because they couldn't even stitch up a deal regarding preferences. And the fact that the Liberal Party preferenced the Labor Party before the Greens in key inner-city marginal electorates meant that their ability to capture new House of Representatives seats went down the gurgler. And as far as their Senate campaign is concerned, it looks like, it looks like, They've lost two senators. So that policy of cozying up to the Liberal National Party and making uh, accommodations with the Liberal National Party has been a disaster because a lot of its traditional support base, especially the activist traditional support base, has kind of disappeared, which is a disaster. And they really need to do something regarding their leadership and their policy direction. I know it's unsolicited advice, but that's 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 what I think. 
So in the Senate, the interesting thing is the makeup of the cross benches. And it looks like there's going to be 10 cross benches. And if you thought the previous Senate was a gaggle of, you know, right-wing authoritarian ratbags, think again. Because the greatest winners of the 2016 double dissolution election was not the Liberal National Party, was not the Labor Party, was not the Greens. It's the authoritarian right. Because when you look at the cross bench, the makeup of the cross benches, you've got three senators from the Xenophon Party based in South Australia, which is basically, you know, a centrist party. Then you've got One Nation, which currently has two senators, which most likely, once the voting is finalised in Queensland, will have three senators in the new parliament. Then you've got Family First, Mr Day, popped up again in South, in South Australia, the last Senate seat. And you've got two, possibly two Liberal Democrats. Again, it's difficult to know whether they'll pop up in New South Wales and Queensland, but it's a strong possibility. So it'll take about a week to finalise. And then you've got Jackie Lambie from Tasmania. Now, of those ten crossbenchers, nine will definitely support the government of the day on most of the important issues of the day, which gives the Turnbull government a working majority both in the House of Representatives and the Senate. A working majority. But that working majority is based on the premise that the Turnbull government will do deals with the authoritarian right, whether it's the Liberal Democrats whether it's One Nation, whether it's the Xenophon Party. Because obviously Jackie Lambie will vote more in terms of support for the people who voted her into Parliament. While these other ideologically driven parties will basically be working towards legislation which criminalises, marginalises and ostracises the other. So what we've seen is a failure, a total failure of extra-parliamentary and parliamentary politics in this country. Because for far too long, the authoritarian left has been too busy knifing each other and the non-authoritarian non-authoritarian left has been too busy following issues and not creating a political party which attempts to draw people into it on a wider platform, not just on the basis of issue. You find that 99.9% of left-wing activity in this country revolves around reacting to issues and there is no longer any viable organisation which promotes policies which highlight the reasons we find ourselves in the current position. Now obviously there may be some minuscule groups here and there doing their best 
but there is no mass movement. Today, disaffected people, people who've been left behind by the deregulation, privatisation, globalisation, corporatisation revolution, do not see the corporate sector as the enemy. Like in the 1920s in Europe with the rise of fascism, they see the other as the enemy. The person of a different skin tone, the person with a different cultural position, the person with a different religious affiliation, the person who's an immigrant, the person who comes here under you know legislation you know to break down the uh, power the what little power the trade unions left as four five seven visas were introduced for, so this is the enemy. It's not the fact that corporations pay voluntary taxation in this country. It's not the fact that almost every piece of legislation which has gone through federal parliament in the last 40 years since the dismissal of the Whitlam Labor government in 1975 have been all about increasing the power and wealth of that small section of society that owns the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication. Because they own the means of communication, irrespective, irrespective of the garbage which appears in the World Wide Web and YouTube, irrespective, you know, the baying masses on social media, irrespective of all that garbage, the issue is that it is the campaign against the other. If you can actually highlight somebody who's somehow different and stigmatise them and marginalise them and ostracise them and claim that all your social problems, all your cultural problems, all your economic problems will be resolved if we get rid of these types of people or we stop these types of people coming into our world, into our community, then you create... You create, we create the breeding ground for the rise of fascism. Not verbal fascism, but real fascism. Fascism, which is institutionalised in the institutions in this country. And irrespective of the hue and cry which comes out from the you know, the issue-orientated left. The fact is, if there is no way of actually addressing this, instead of, you know, calling out the usual, you know, um, slogans, things aren't going to change, they're going to get worse. And that's my concern. Because what we'll see is legitimisation of fascism as a legitimate political, social, cultural, political, intellectual movement in this country. And we will see the introduction of more legislation and Australia is a sitting duck for that type of legislation and I'll explain why in a few minutes. That promotes a fascist agenda irrespective, irrespective of all the legislation that's in place, which is there 
basically to you know to protect people against a racist attack or whatever. We are creating that climate, and we have allowed that climate to be created because we have moved out of the march through the institutions. For far too long, we have you know laughed at the parliamentary process and said, "Well, real power doesn't lie in parliament." lies in the boardrooms of national transnational corporations and we need to be involved in mass direct action. Well, there is no mass direct action except occasionally on some issue, driven issue. There's no mass direct action regarding the corporate domination of the political process. There's no mass uh, action regarding the fact that corporate Australia pays voluntary taxation, therefore there aren't the resources in a resource-rich country of less than 24 million people you know, to provide basic services to the population. And what we're seeing on every available social indicator is the increase of disadvantage and exploitation done legally in the majority of cases. And that's the dilemma that we face. So last year, in April last year, we launched public interest before corporate interest. And we launched public interest before corporate interest for one very good reason because we think there is nobody in this society who is willing to put the public interest before the interests of unaccountable corporations whose major responsibility is to create ever-increasing profits for their major shareholders irrespective of the human, social, environmental and national costs. Now, we are currently in the process of uh, attempting to be registered as a political party. This will take another six to 12 months, but we will be registered. But the problem is, too many people shrug their shoulders and say, what's the point? It's never going to change. Nothing will ever change. Obviously, nothing's going to change if you do nothing. If you just sit at home and fume, you know, and have esoteric conversations among yourselves about what's happening in society today, we do have options. We do have options. So I'm encouraging you to look at the website, pipsy.net, P-I-B-C-I dot net. I'm encouraging you to look at the Facebook page. Just put public interest before corporate interest into your search engine. And most importantly of all, I'm encouraging you to become a member. The little trick about becoming a registered political party is your members need to be on the electoral roll. Now, we take members on the electoral roll and off the electoral roll, but the only members we can use to register the political party is those on the electoral roll. So if you are on the electoral roll, if you aren't on the electoral roll and you're interested in promoting the ideas that public interest before corporate interest is all about, I encourage you to join. You can do it in a number of ways. You can either ring us on 0439 395 489. 0439 395 489. We'll send you an application form. Leave a contact, leave a message with a contact address. It can be a web address, it can be a snail mail address. 
you can go to pipsy.net, P-I-B-C-I dot net, pipsy, P-I-B-C-I dot net. Download the application form. Download the application form. Thirdly, send it back. You can write to us at Post Office Box 20, Parkville, 3052. Unlike the Australian Census, which is supposedly going to be held on the 9th of uh, August, which is going to be a total, total disaster, as they're trying to save money by uh, you know, getting people to do their census data on the net. How secure is that? How secure is that? And if you try to ring up to get a form, the system is overloaded. Real crap. This will be the worst census data um, collection, I think, uh, since Federation. But that's another story. All right, you're listening to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. My name is Joseph Scar. I'm hosting today's program. Want further information? 0439 395 489. Leave a name and a contact. Phone number. If I don't get back to you within a day or two, ring again. Sometimes we don't receive messages. You can write to us at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. You can uh, email us at anarchistage at yahoo.com, anarchistage at yahoo.com. Or uh, you can go to uh, info at pipsy.net. Now let's move on. Now some interesting, some positive news. The Tanaminaway and Morborhina Monument to the resistant fighters, the indigenous resistant fighters, Tanaminaway and Morborhina, who were executed in Melbourne on the 20th of January 1842, has begun. If you go down to the corner of Franklin Street and Victoria Parade, you'll see the work has started. Now, there's a few uh, days I want you to put in your diary. Now, there'll be a day in late August, and I'll the, the last weekend in August, and I will have that hopefully finalised by next week, where there'll be a public planting day where members of the public, both Indigenous and non-Indigenous, will be, uh, uh, in, will be uh, uh, you know, encouraged to come down and plant, help plant many of the plants which will be... Uh, Planted here at the at the uh, Tanaminoa Morborhina commemoration, and currently it looks like the official opening will be on Tuesday the thirteenth of June. That's right, Tuesday the thirteenth of June. So uh, we're not sure at this stage of the time, but hopefully within the next week those dates will be set in concrete. So all those people who've been involved in the Tanaminoa Morborhina commemorations who come on the 20th of January uh, every year, put down the 13th of June, Tuesday the 13th of June. Sorry, what am I talking about? I've gone mad. That was two months ago. Put down Tuesday the 13th of September. That date again, Tuesday the 13th of September in your diary. That's Tuesday the 13th of September in your diary as the day for the official opening of the Tunnel Mobile Hina Commemoration. Uh, monument, and if you're in the city of Melbourne over the next few weeks, pop down and have a look at the progress of the work uh, of the monument, the corner of uh, Franklin Street and Victoria Parade in the city, across the uh, r- across the way from the uh, the old Melbourne City Jail. This is the exact spot we believe where Tanaminaway and Morbohina were uh, executed on the 20th of January 1842. This is an important thing. This is the first time, the first time a major monument 
to the frontier wars which occurred over a hundred-year period with the colonisation of this country has been built anywhere in this country. Obviously there are other monuments, but this is the first time in this country which has thousands of monuments to Australians who've died fighting other people's wars overseas. Thousands of monuments. But this is the first time that in this country this has occurred. This is a pivotal moment in the reconciliation process. So put it down in your diary, Tuesday the 13th of September, and put it down in your diary last weekend in August, and we'll have exact dates and times hopefully for you within the next 7 to 14 days. So keep listening to the Anarchist World this week, and obviously we will send out material to everybody on our uh, email list over the, over the next uh, few weeks once the times are set in concrete. Now, going back to public interest before corporate interest, you may have heard that uh, the Commonwealth Government is going, is going to go into partnership, you like that word, partnership, with the private sector on a $500 million venture, $250 million from the Commonwealth Government, $250 million from the um, private sector to develop, the key word is develop, biomedical inventions which have been um, you know, initiated in this country because what usually happens with biomedical inventions is they're initiated in this country, they go offshore, they're financed offshore, offshore corporations take them over and uh, hey presto, before you know it, um, you know, they make all the money out of it. It happens over and over and over again. And I'm thinking to myself, this is this highlights the very weakness of these private public partnerships. Because that two hundred and fifty million dollars which will be used by the which will be injected into this partnership by the federal government is basically is basically nothing more than an injection of funds into the private sector, and it'll be the private sector which will reap the benefits. There may be a few jobs created, but it's the private sector and private corporations involved in the partnership, not the public, which will reap the benefits of what's occurred. So why shouldn't we have a $500 million publicly owned venture which is involved in assisting researchers to commercially develop commercially develop things ideas which they have researched in this country and then the profit from this interaction between researchers and the publics would go to the researchers and the public. There'd be a dividend to the public. It wouldn't go to a private corporation or a private company. 
I mean, this is what public interest before corporate interest is all about. It's about putting the interests of each and every person on this continent before the interests of transnational corporations whose major responsibility is to create ever-increasing profits for their major shareholders irrespective of the human, social, environmental cost. And this is the problem in this country. We don't have a political, cultural, social organisation like public interest before corporate interests, which has a foothold not only physically in this country, but in terms of the thinking and the approaches to an issue. Think about it. Listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia on the community radio issues. Now, community radio network, I should say. Remember, it's the 13th of September. That's the Tanaminua Mulbohina Monument official opening. Now, let's get back to uh, business. It's interesting, isn't it? It's interesting. Historically low interest rates. The Reserve Bank, concerned about the softness, you like that word? Softness of the Australian economy, has decided to decrease interest by 0.25% to historically low 1.5%. Not that you can actually get money for 1.5%, because it's interesting, isn't it? What does the Reserve Bank do? It decreases interest rates by 0.25%. What happens in the real world? Well, the privately owned banking cartels, and that's all they are, privately owned banking cartels, pocket half of that interest rate cut to be used as dividends for their major shareholders. Pocket it. It's not passed on to business lenders. It's not passed on in full to people who hold mortgages with these financial institutions. And the reason this occurs occurs is the Reserve Bank has no power in terms of directing the privately owned banks how they deal with that cut. That's right. All they can do is say, here boys, here girls, here's a cut, you do what you think. And hopefully they believe that competition, you like the C word, the big C word, competition between the privately owned banks will somehow decrease the interest that they charge to their customers and somehow stimulate, in inverted commas, the economy, as if the economy has a life of its own. The markets have a life of their own. They're not human creations. They're like these entities which just exist outside human consciousness. The market, the economy. Now, obviously, when you've got a banking cartel, they look at each other, as we see with fuel prices. You'll notice that by the end of the week, all the major fuel companies are charging exactly the same rate, or almost exactly the same rate, the same with banks. 
The privatisation of the Commonwealth Bank in 1982 by the Alternative Liberal Party masquerading as the Australian Labor Party had one very important effect which nobody, except people like you and me, highlighted before the privatisation of the Commonwealth Bank. While a major financial institution remains in the hands of the public, if the Reserve Bank decreased interest rates by 0.25%, because the Commonwealth Bank is owned by the public, pressure could be placed on the Commonwealth Bank to pass on that 0.25% to stimulate the economy and the privately owned banks would have to follow suit because of competitive forces. When you turn a mixed economy, and a mixed economy is when you have privately owned institutions and structures and publicly owned institutions and structures providing the same service to the community, the government of the day has the power to determine how that publicly owned entity should work. And when you privatise that publicly owned entity, what happens? You remove competition from the marketplace and you have you have the creation of cartels. And when you get people of the calibre of the Rod Sims, who is the Australian Competition and Consumer Commission Chairman, saying that the sale of ports and electricity infrastructure and the opening of vocational education to private to the private companies has caused him and the public to lose faith in privatisation and deregulation. You know, you know, when you've got that person saying that, you know we've been marching up the wrong cul-de-sac as a community for the last 40 years, for the last 41 years. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? The shit we've been talking about on this program since 1977, that's right, 1977, in our 39th year today, has come to pass. And it's quite fascinating because if I look back at the programs, look back at the material that I've written over the years, in 99.9% of cases, our analysis has been spot on. It may have taken the rest of the community and those who exercise power 40 years to realise it, but our analysis has been spot on. It's a tragedy, isn't it? Here we are, this piddly little program, on a few piddly little community radio stations around this country, heard by a piddling few people, analysing what's happening, giving an analysis, giving an opinion, highlighting the shortcomings of what's happening in our society today, and nothing ever happens. And you know why nothing ever happens? Because we do not 
have power. We don't have the power to influence the corporate sector. We don't have the power to influence government. We have a political and social movement in this country which is fixated, and the key word is fixated, on issues, which thinks that politics is about and living is about you know, dealing with an issue. And then there's another issue and 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 no fundamental questions are asked about the nature of society, the interaction between the public and the institutions, what's actually happening. We have allowed those who exercise power in this country to actually... We've allowed them to concentrate that power in fewer and fewer hands, to concentrate that wealth in fewer and fewer hands because we have been denied the opportunity to articulate these ideas in the corporate-owned media and the government guild at ABC. Not that I'd expect the corporate-owned media to invite its executioner to discuss how to uh, put them out of their misery, but you would expect the government guild at ABC, which is supported through taxpayers' money, would allow these types of ideas to be heard on a regular basis and seen on a regular basis on its programs. I mean, the problem with the Australian Broadcasting Corporation, the government guild at ABC, is not the fact the presenters are white bread, that we have intellectual white bread there on a daily basis masquerading as news and analysis. We have an organisation which has been taken over by conservative forces in this country and reactionary forces in this country, which promotes to a significant degree apart from issue-orientated politics, the same viewpoint, the same white bread. Not a multi-grain bread, but the same white, bland bread every day. Intellectual white bread every day. Nothing to stimulate the senses. I mean, if you've got time to listen to the Government Guild at ABC or watch the Government Gelded Australian Broadcasting Corporation, especially what they describe as their, uh, you know, political, social, cultural programs, you can actually see how apart from issue-orientated uh, issues, issue-orientated, I like that, what a, what a talk, tautology, nothing ever changes, nothing, you never hear anything else, you never see anything else. It's as if the public intellectual has been drawn, caught, drawn, courted and hung. It's as if the public intellectual has been beheaded, not by ISIS, but by a system of government which has allowed Parliament's power to be usurped by non-accountable corporations whose major responsibility is to their major shareholders. So if you're pissed off, if you're angry, there's no point being angry, there's no point being pissed off, join Pipsy. Public interest before corporate interest. Go to the website, pibci.net. Download the application form. Move away from issue-orientated politics. I'll give you an example. 
give you an example. Marriage equality, okay? The government wants a plebiscite. It looks like most activists don't want a plebiscite. They want to leave it up to Parliament. Why leave it up to Parliament? The debate shouldn't be about whether we have a plebiscite or not. But they had a plebiscite. They had a plebiscite in bloody Ireland and the gay community survived and triumphed. What we don't need is a plebiscite. What we need is a referendum. Because if we are told that support for marriage equality exists across the country, what we should be pushing for is not a plebiscite or the removal of a plebiscite you know, from the public agenda and leaving it up to Parliament, does Parliament take it, give and take it away? But a referendum. If you have a referendum on marriage equality and a majority of people in Australia and a majority of people in four states support that legislation, that legislation is incorporated in the Australian Constitution and no government can leg- legislate away that power. No government can legislate away that power. Think about it. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. My name is Joseph Scum, host of today's program. Now for the final little bit of the Anarchist World This Week. Obviously, hopefully there'll be another one next week. Now, you may have been mesmerised by the story of juveniles tortured and brutalised in the Northern Territory. And we think about it as a legal aberration. Most Australians think, well, it's the Northern Territory. What do you expect? And they forget that this has been a story for years. And they forget that everything has happened in the juvenile detention centres. Well, most of the things that happen are legal. That's the big word. Legal. L-E-G-A-L. We are not talking about illegal behaviour, we are talking about legalised behaviour that has been going on for years. Now Australia, and I'm proud to say this, has and continues to have a long history of legally, and I'll spell it again, L-E-G-A-L-L-Y, denying, and I'll spell that, D-E-N-Y-I-N-G, many of its citizens and residents the most basic human rights. Long history, and I'll go through that history. The the deportation of Canucks, who worked on the sugarcane fields in North Queensland at the turn of the beginning of the 20th century, many who had lived in this country for generations many who'd been working as slave labour in this country, was legal. L-E-G-A-L under the Australian Constitution. The mass internment of Australians, including Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders, has enemy aliens during World War I and World War II are just two further examples of what legally can occur in this country. 
the abysmal, abysmal treatment of the first Australians by the British colonisers and by state governments after Federation only ceased the most brutal practices only ceased when the Australian people in the 1967 referendum gave the Commonwealth the power to legislate on behalf of Indigenous Australians. A lot of people seem to have forgotten what 1967 was about. 1967 referendum wasn't about giving Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders the vote. It was about giving the Commonwealth the power to legislate on behalf of Indigenous Australians because the states, for decades, had been responsible for some of the most inhumane, despicable legislation which tore apart families, which saw children being removed, which saw the mass mass pauperisation and marginalisations of the first people of this country. And things were so disgusting, so bad, that the Commonwealth Government was forced in 1967 to hold a referendum which was supported by the major political parties to give the Commonwealth Government the power to override that state legislation. Now, many aspect of the anti-terrorist laws that have been enacted in this country over the past two decades and the indefinite detention of refugees on offshore gulags highlights there is precious little in the Australian Constitution that protects the individual from the arbitrary exercise of state power. And that's the key. We don't have a constitutional arrangement that protects the individual from the arbitrary exercise of state power. I mean, the most pressing issue in the 1890s, and it's significant, significant, was whether Australia would become a sovereign nation state or the six colonies would become six sovereign nation state. As a result of these concerns, the Australian Constitution is essentially a document that regulates the relationship between the Commonwealth Government and the states. It has precious little, if anything, to say about human rights. It has precious little to say anything about individual rights, apart from the right to freedom of religion and the right to fair compensation if your land is compulsorily acquired by the Commonwealth. There are no rights in the Australian Constitution. Most Australians would be surprised to learn they do not enjoy an individual right to vote. At best, they enjoy a generic, limited, implied right to vote. There is nothing in the Australian Constitution that would prevent a government, for majority in both houses of Parliament, denying Muslims, redheads or even left-handed people the right to vote. There is no such thing as a right to vote, in the, an individual right to vote in the Australian Constitution. It took me 15 months through the courts, eight appearances in court, to squeeze out the fact 
that we have a generic, limited, implied right to vote and that a parliament can do anything it likes. And how many Australians know they've only got an implied right to freedom of speech that comes into force when an election is called and ceases after an election is held? So legislation could be passed tomorrow to stop people like me and you from speaking. I mean, what has happened in the Northern Territory is the latest example of the legal atrocities that occur when a nation's constitution does not protect the individual from the arbitrary exercise of state powers. I mean, what we need to understand is what has happened in the Northern Territory could, under different circumstances, legally happen to you and your children. The only way these legal atrocities can be removed from the statute books is through constitutional reforms that incorporate individual rights in the Australian Constitution that protect the individual from the arbitrary exercise of state power. Think about it. Think about it. And that's what this program is about. It's about getting you to think and then getting you to act. Because ultimately, change comes from mass political action. And mass political action comes from people understanding where the forces that oppress them come from. And currently, that understanding is exceptionally limited. You've been listening to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. You can write to us at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. You can email me at anarchistage at yahoo.com or info at pibci, P-I-B-C-I dot net. Go to the website, anarchistmedia.org. Go to the website, tunnamall.org. Go to the website, pibsy.net. Go to the Wednesday Action Group Facebook page, and the list goes on and on. Thank you for listening to The Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station. If this is the first time you've heard The Anarchist World this week, join us. Become a member of Pipsy, public interest before corporate interests. Get involved. Get active. Do things, because we are facing a bleak future in this country because as I said at the beginning of the program what's happened during the last federal election should give everybody causes for concern. Thank you once again for listening to the Anarchist World this week via the Community Radio Network on your local community radio station. Listen in to the Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station next week and if your community radio station it's the first time you've listened to the program and your local community radio station doesn't broadcast the Anarchist World this week, knock on the door of the station manager of your local community radio station and ask them to broadcast the Anarchist World this week. It's free. F-R-E-E. Doesn't cost a cent. All we need is a little bit of space on your local community radio station. Thank you once again for listening to the Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station. Minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction An analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist World this week. Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. 
10am every Wednesday. Listen to The Anarchist World this week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national and international events. Poisoning their brainwashed minds. Oh, Lord, yeah.